0: Well, good morning, CityGate Church and all of our online guests. Here we are on week number five on this series on the Glorious Church. I really enjoyed last Sunday about the fact that we live in the living word of Almighty God. And the week before that, we, we discussed about we never give up. We are wholehearted about the things of God. We continue continuing. And um, in order to continue continuing, I'm going to ask us to turn again to Acts chapter 2, And we're just going to come in there at uh, verse 40. It says, with all these words, he said, be saved from this perverse generation. And those who gladly received his word were baptised. Verse 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and in fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers together. Says then fear came upon every soul and there were signs. There was the power of God done by the hands of the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions, their goods, and they divided them up as many as as anyone had need. And they continued every day. Um, This is a powerful introduction to the church of Jesus Christ. They continued continuing. They were wholehearted about this. And today I want to talk about the second thing that the church was wholehearted about. The second thing that they continued continuing in. And this is absolutely vital to our understanding of what the church is all about. I believe that a healthy church is a church where each part knows its place and does its part. A healthy church isn't just a place where we attend a service. It's a place where we function. Today I want to talk about the power of partnership. Um, In the Greek, it's this incredible word koinonia, and it means community. It means that we do stuff together. It doesn't just mean to say that we like the same team or we watch the same program, it actually means we function together. We are a community. We're involved with each other's lives. Doesn't mean to say that we live in a commune. Uh, You know, I'm really not a fan of living in a commune. We've had all sorts of people live in our house over the years and that's been great. But you know what, it's still our house and it's still where my family lives. I don't believe in everybody, you know, selling everything and all, you know, um, hitching up in, in a big hall somewhere. That's not what, I believe community is all about. It's far more than that. And it's actually something that I believe God wants us to understand today. You know, perhaps um, a great word to explain community is this word to be a partner, that we partner together in something. It's a word we use in life where people partner together. Um, It can be used in a business, that there's a partnership. It can be used in so many areas of life but it's absolutely fundamental to our understanding of the church. It's an active word. It isn't just a, theolo- you know, a word you know to debate its meaning. It's a word to get involved with. It means to actually contribute into something, not to just observe, but to put your effort into, to put your gift, your skill, your input, the thing that God has given you, the thing that God has created you to be, To be a part of a bigger picture. It's a powerful word, this word partnership. It's a doing word. It's not just a being word. So I just want to go through some thoughts about this today. And um, as we understand this, this was absolutely central to the early church. They continued in this and we're going to go on through the book of Acts if you're reading that this month and you're going to see time and time again that the believers were together. They functioned together. They dwelt together. They helped each other. If you go through the epistles of, you know, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, all the other ones, you find time and time again that he addresses people as one body, one family who all function together. And there's so much teaching in the New Testament about how the church is to function But firstly today, I want to talk about the passion for partnership. Um, It isn't, you know, as I say, just a doctrine. It's not just a theology or a theory. It's something that comes from the heart. You know, everybody wants to belong to something. Everybody wants to feel part of something. I believe God has created us to be a part of a bigger picture, to be a part of each other's lives. There are so many problems that start happening inside a person when they're isolated when they're on their own, when they feel like an outcast or they're rejected. So many things happen when somebody feels like they're on the outside trying to get in. They don't feel part of something. Have you ever gone into a room and you've stood there and there's life everywhere and you stand there on your own with no one to talk to? Have you ever felt what that feels like? You know, you're standing in the corner or by the side and there's no one come to talk to you and you think, you know what, I just don't fit here. I just don't feel part of what's going on. Have you ever you know, tried you know, to be a part of a group or, or to develop an interest in something, to, you know, to be around someone? It's because there's something on the inside of everybody to belong. God has created people for family. That's why he's called the heavenly father. He's a father because he created mankind to be a family where everybody fits. But this really comes down to an attitude of our heart. We were created for togetherness. And God wants us to understand that this is on the inside of us. This is our heartbeat. And, you know, absolutely central to this understanding of community or partnership is this understanding of being heart to heart. It's not just being in the same room or being in the same building or seeing the same TV program. It's something of a heart connection. It's a passion that God puts on the inside of us. And you know when you have a heart connection. I'm not just talking about like a husband and wife heart connection, but you know when you think, you know what? There's something here. I really connect here. I click here. That's a heart to heart connection that I believe is all through the body of Christ. I'm getting a bit ahead of myself. Um, It says here in Philippians chapter one from verses two to seven, it says, grace to you and shalom from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God. This is Paul speaking to the church that he said was closest to him. I want you to hear his words here. He said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, I make requests for you with joy for your fellowship. There's that word. For your partnership, for our heart to heart in the gospel from the very first day all the way through till now. He's saying, "I'm really confident of this thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ, just as, as it is correct for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, in as much as both in my change um, change, in my chains and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers, your partners with me. Of grace. That's a powerful prayer. Now, if I was to do a big study on this, we would understand that the Apostle Paul and the, and the church here in Philippi were absolutely heart to heart like no other church. He said, it's my base church. This is where you've always been there for me. You pray for me, I pray for you. But he said, it's because I have you in my heart and if you read through acts and if you read through this epistle you find out that the philippian church had the apostle paul in their heart this was a heart to heart connection this was the apostle paul and the church that supported him and loved him and prayed for him it was not just a spiritual partnership it was a heart to heart connection that absolutely had had effect in every area of their of their life they supported him they They sent finances to him. They prayed for him. There are so many things that happened because they had a heart-to-heart connection. This heart-to-heart is really important. Here we are talking about the glorious church. A glorious church is not just a place you attend a service, hear a good preach, lift your hands in the air a few times, thank Jesus and go home. No, it's a place of heart-to-heart connection. I can't understand some people who say, well, this is my church, and you never see them. And they're not on team and they don't give and they don't pray in the prayer meetings. Is it it a heart-to-heart connection or is it just, you know, something, a tradition that somebody feels like they have to fulfill to do their God bit, perhaps on a Sunday? I don't know. I found out that this word koinonia is so fundamental to the church of Jesus Christ that it's something that gets hold of your heart. God does something on the inside like he did here with Paul and the Philippian church. There's no division. You know, sometimes you can read in God's word, it says this, we have one Lord, one faith, one Christ. We're one together. One family, it even says one speech and one mind. We think the same things, not as controlled thoughts, but we're so one on the inside that we appreciate the same things. We have the same values. We, we're all going in the same direction. Why? Because of this heart to heart connection that I believe is a work of the Spirit of God on the inside. This is supernatural. And because it's supernatural, because I believe it's by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the grace of God, I believe the church is the only place where koinonia can really happen. Because it's supernatural. It happens on the inside. See, in in His grace and by His Spirit, he does something to connect people together when they give their life to Christ. I believe it's the only place where we can cross all the age barriers, divisions of race or culture or ethnicity or education or experience or background. You know, the Church of Jesus Christ can absolutely gather everybody together when the Holy Spirit does a work in your heart and in mine and in other people. We can dwell together in such heart-to-heart connection, now I am going ahead of myself, that all things are possible. It's a place of power. But this comes from a real heart for passion. It isn't just a place where we believe the same thing. See, we don't have fellowship and koinonia because we just believe the same thing. It's because he has created us to be the same thing. We are the same thing. I'm a child of God and you're a child of God. When you say yes to Jesus Christ, something is recreated on the inside. There's a new heart. There's a new spirit. Almighty God's my father. Almighty God is your father and he puts us together heart to heart. The Bible even even says this, we are one spirit with the Lord and we are one spirit with each other. What an incredible heart-to-heart connection that we have when we give our life to Christ. So there is an entry requirement. You can't be in the koinonia of the church if you've not been recreated on the inside. Perhaps you can appreciate the music or you can really like the people, but until God has done a work in your spirit that you are born again, that's when this heart-to-heart thing really happens by the power of God. Now, after saying that, it would be easy, therefore, to be exclusive as a church. That, oh, unless you've said yes to Jesus, you don't belong here. That's not what we're talking about. I love the fact that everywhere Jesus went, he was inclusive. He didn't cast anybody out or say, you don't belong and you don't fit. We even have an expression here in CityGate that a person can belong before they believe. Now, we know that that perhaps isn't the heart-to-heart thing, which is supernatural, but we want people to belong in the culture and in the environment of the church before even they've given their life to Christ. Why? Because the church is a place of inclusion, not exclusion. See, fellowship and the partnership is a spiritual thing, and the Bible says this, do not be unequally yoked, with other people. That can be applied in so many ways, and I don't want to be specific today. But the Bible is really clear. It says, what has light got to do with darkness? What has the devil got to do with God? What has sinfulness got to do with godliness? I mean, there's so many things. There is a division between the two, and you can't um, stick together two things that, that can't stick together. You can't put light and darkness together. When the light comes in, the darkness is going to leave. When the love comes in, the fear is going to leave. See, this is a heart-to-heart connection where God does something in you, God does something in me, God does something in us, and we have a passion for partnership because we all become one body. We went through this the other day. One family, one bride, one army, and one temple. The early church continued in this. They loved this. They were excited about this. We're part of something now. It got so strong that they were providing for each other's needs and they were laying hands on each other and praying for each other. They scattered and spread the word of God everywhere. There were churches in people's houses, in the temple courts, and they gathered together because the believers had a desire on the inside to say, we must Gather together to be one. This isn't just a theology. This is a lifestyle. Second thing that I want to talk about today is to be a little bit more practical about this. I want to talk about what this means. Practical partnership. Says in Psalm 133. All of us probably have heard Psalm 133 quoted. A lot of us anyway. It says how good and pleasant it is when we dwell together in unity. Then it says it's like the anointing. It's like the Jew and all this incredible thing. It says God lives where there's agreement. And the last verse says this, in that place of, I could say koinonia. I know that's you know a Greek word and we're in the Psalms now, which is Hebrew, but you get the picture here. In that place of partnership, God commands the blessing. Absolutely wonderful. You see, for us to be in this in this place of heart-to-heart fellowship has got to have action to it. See, Ear is not just attending a service. It's not just sitting around having a cup of tea and a chat with somebody or sending someone a text. That's good communication but it's not actually koinonia. See, koinonia is where we serve on a team. It's where we help build the building. It's where we give into something. It's where we put our time, our energy. Something happens. We invest into the thing that we're passionate about. This is koinonia. It's giving financially. Actually, over over in the Bible, there's one verse and it says it please those from these places to make a certain gift to the poor among the saints who are over there in Jerusalem. That word where it says gift to the poor is the word koinonia. It's actually used there for a financial contribution, a financial offering. It's used elsewhere where people prayed together. It's used as being part of being in agreement and in fellowship with the person of the Holy Spirit. That's not just a theology, that's a daily walk. You see, this is something really practical. It's when people pray with a passion. It's when people give. It's when people serve on team. It's not just coming into a service and attending you know, a service or seeing a TV program. It's putting our life into something. Koinonia is very practical. It's an action word. And these people, they continued serving and building and giving and gathering and preaching and laying hands on the sick. All these things are doing words. I love the book of Hebrews. There's Hebrews chapter 11. It talks about faith. Again, it's the same type of thing. Some people think faith is just a belief, but everywhere in Hebrews 11, it says by faith, they did something. They spoke, they prayed, they gave, they received the dead raised to life again. They did stuff by faith. And it's the same as coin and ear. You can't say I'm in fellowship if you're not doing anything. That's a challenge, I'm aware. But this is what the glorious church is all about. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. For the sake of time, I won't turn there, but I'd encourage you to read it. It talks about um, how Almighty God sets in the body of Christ everybody according to its function. Again, this is not a theology. It's a function. It talks about the finger and the eye and the ear. It says if everything was an ear, there wouldn't be any seeing. If everything was an eye, there wouldn't be any feeling. I can't remember all the examples it gives. It said the head can't say to the foot, I don't need you, or the hand can't say to this. We all need each other. And the emphasis is so clear there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It is for function. It's not for theology. It's not for, well, we're all just part of the same church because I go there and I believe the same thing. No, this is function. This is activity. Speaks about in the Old Testament about the army of God so many times and there's that incredible prophetic word from the um, old um, chapter 2. It says the Lord utters his voice at the head of the army and the army absolutely goes for it and it says they all march in rank. There's no one fighting each other. There's no competition. I'm a very competitive person. Uh, I think that's had to be tempered over the years because it can be a bit destructive sometimes. But to be competitive is good in life, that we want to achieve, we want to win. But it's not to put other people down, or I want your position, or I want to do what you're doing. Now, of course, we can have a passion and a goal, you know, to copy and to, and to be what other people do and all that sort of stuff, but not from a place of you know, destructive competition. I believe that the church of Jesus Christ is the greatest army that there has ever been. We are the army of God in the earth, not to fight people, but to bring in God's love and God's grace and to say to the devil, back off to resist him and see him flee through our prayers and through our commitment to each other, to see the kingdom of God forcefully advanced by the preaching and the power of the word of God and the Holy Spirit. But to do that, we've all got to march in rank. We've all got to know our place in the body, to use another analogy there. These things are really important. I believe it's, it's absolutely vital. And again, perhaps the church can be guilty of this sometimes. So many people exercise their gift in the world, but they don't exercise their gift in the context of koinonia. So perhaps they're great with kids, or perhaps they're great with finances, or perhaps they're great with, with computers, or perhaps they're great with, them. you know, it could be all sorts of things. And they exercise that in the world, and it's the gift God has given them. It's who they are. It's how God's created them to be. And that very gift which makes them unique, which makes them excellent, which makes them stand out from the crowd, is put under a bed or under a bushel. It says, let it shine And of course, that's speaking about the gospel and God's word. But can I apply that to your gift? Let it shine in the context of koinonia that we are a partnership together. We are a body and a family, and God wants us to function together. Don't let your gift just be operated outside of the context of the church. Let it be operated inside. Now, I'm aware that perhaps it isn't for everybody, but you know, just hear that today and and let God speak to you about what perhaps he's talking to you to do and to be in the context of the church. It says in the 12th chapter of Uh, Romans it says this for I say to you through the grace that is given to me the grace that is given to me this is the Apostle Paul speaking I want to talk about this word grace in the context of us being active in the body it says through the grace that is given to me to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith So we're talking about it's by grace and it's by faith. Now, so often we think that faith is to do the signs and the wonders of God. Yeah, absolutely it is. Move mountains every day. Stand on the word of God for your healing and for the abundance God has for your life. By faith to, you know, to see God do the impossible. Absolutely wonderful. But in this context, it's faith to function in the church. In the body, listen to this. It says, for we have all different parts in the one body, but all the different parts of the body do not have the same function. So we're talking about grace in the body, faith in the body. It says, so we being so many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having therefore different gifts according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If we prophesy, then let's prophesy in proportion to our faith. Can you see where the gift there goes hand to hand with faith? If you serve, let it be in our serving. Again, according to faith, if you teach in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives, this is financially, that's what that word means there, he who gives with generosity, he who um, has to, you know, go ahead, to lead with all diligence, he who shows mercy with all cheerfulness. Grace and faith are to have operation in our lives in how we function in the koinonia of the saints, in the fellowship, in the togetherness of the saints. I think about so many examples in the Bible. Obviously, the early church here, but in the Old Testament where everybody was together. They had all things in common. They built the wall together. Everybody built. Everybody shouted. Everybody worshipped God. Everybody gathered to Ezra. Everybody praised God. Everybody shouted round the walls of Jericho and they came down. This all thing is absolutely vital to our understanding of church. And that brings me to my third point today, and that is the power of partnership. The power of partnership. Again, going back to Philippians chapter 1, we find this. I have you in my heart. I pray for you every day that you may be a partaker. And I'm going to give you a slightly different understanding of of this passage here. We read earlier that you're a partaker. You're a partner with me of grace. But it can equally say this. And I'm going to apply this according to the grace of God as, as we've just read in the other passage. It says that you, if you're giving and you're praying and you're heart to heart with me, you can be a partner of the grace of God that is upon my life. That is an incredible understanding that I got hold of probably 25 years ago now. The power of partnership. If my heart is connected with someone or something else, and that's by praying, that's through financial giving, that's through serving, that there's an an outward expression to the partnership of that heart-to-heart passion, then something happens in the power of God. That the grace that is upon that person or that thing, I can get hold of for my own life. Over the years, I've partnered with people on purpose. I've sowed financially, I've prayed, I've given, I've been actively a part of other situations, not other churches. I believe you're part of one local church, but it could be a part of some outreach somewhere or or a pastor or a teacher somewhere or, or another family doing something or perhaps somebody else who's in business that you want to get hold of what's on their life. Have you ever heard that expression? I really want what God's put on your life. Well, you know how to do that? The power of partnership is this. When you partner heart to heart, when there's the praying, like the Apostle Paul said, and the giving and the serving and the tears together and the joy together, you're part of each other's lives in that way. You know, perhaps it's just at a distance. doesn't have to be a personal connection. But if there's that heart to heart togetherness, I can lay hold of the grace that is upon that other situation. I've done that on purpose so many times. People who move in signs and wonders, you better believe. I'll sow my love, my faith, my finances into that situation. And then I'll stand before God and I'll say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I receive and I believe and I stand on and I pray for the grace that is upon their life to be who you've called them to be. I partner with and I receive onto my own life. This is a really powerful thing. This is the grace of God. The Bible really speaks about God's grace being something that he empowers us with for us to be what he's called us to be. It's an empowering thing. It's the grace to give. It's the grace to preach. It's the grace to serve. It's the grace to have mercy. It's the grace to lead. All the different things we can find about. It's the grace to be an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor and teacher. It's the grace... To be in education, it's the grace to be a police person, it's the grace to be in in finances, it's the grace to be a mum or a dad, it's the grace of God to empower us to be and if somebody's got the grace of God upon their life, I can partner with that person and I can lay hold of the grace for my own life. It doesn't mean to say I grab their calling or I've become that person, but I can certainly receive from what is upon their life and it can into some degree become part of my own experience. You find this very powerfully in the book of Philippians. It begins where the Apostle Paul says, you are, you are a partaker of the grace that is upon my life. Then you go all through the book, some great things there in the book of Philippians. And at the very end, the Apostle Paul says this. He said, you know what? I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. I know how in every situation that it doesn't move me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And if you see his life, he goes through stuff and he comes out on top. He goes through the shipwreck and he comes out on top. You know, he's stoned and he's left for dead and he comes back and preaches. I mean, the apostle Paul had a bounce back that was just incredible. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Even when a thorn in his flesh comes to try to destroy him, that he then finds out it's an angel of Satan and God says, you've got my grace to deal with it. That doesn't mean to say my grace to put up with it. He says my grace to deal with it. And, you know, it's as if he had this this incredible understanding that hit him at that point. Wow, through the power of God upon my life, I can do anything. I can even resist this thorn in the flesh, which is trying to destroy my life and he came out on top he said he found he had the answer on the inside of him to trust in God and God will raise the dead I mean this guy was was undefeatable there was a time and actually there in this same in this same epistle he says you know what here I am under house arrest and they want to kill me but I'm going to make the choice whether I live or whether I die, whether I stay or whether I go. Why? Because of my partners. That's what he says. He says, I'm going to stay because of you, because you're my partners and there's still work to do here. And at the end of the book, he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then you know what he says to his partners? So those who are heart to heart with him from the beginning all through till now, he says, And I know that just as God meets all my needs, because you're my partners, God's going to meet all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. See, that's a partnership verse. I know we love it and we believe it and we receive it for all our situations. But really, it's because it was what was on the Apostle Paul's life and the church got hold of it. And therefore their needs were met in the same way, by the same grace that the Apostle Paul's needs were met. I could spend all day on this. This is absolutely fantastic. An understanding of partnership. We've read or we've heard a little bit of Psalm 133. That where we dwell together in agreement, it's like the oil that flows down the one body. Where there's agreement, where there's koinonia, we all partake of the same anointing, the same power of the Holy Spirit. If I'm part of a, a church, which obviously I lead CityGate here with Sharon, my wife, but if I was just part of a church, I would wanna know what's the anointing upon that church? What is the grace of God that is upon the church? Because that's what I'm partnering with. It's not just the nearest church to me. It's not just, well, I like the music. What is the grace Upon the church, and I'm not going to spend a long time on this right now, but I want to sort of say what is the grace that is upon Citygate Church? You know, 5,000 fantastic churches in London, all with different callings and different strengths and different, um, you know, desire from God uh, to fulfill what God has got for them to do. And, you know, it would be crazy for us to try to be like the church down the road or for them to try to be like us. Because it has to do with the grace and the anointing that is upon the church. But if we can identify that, and if I say, you know what, I want to be a part of that, it's not just something to experience on a Sunday, and isn't it great, I love the music, or great preach, Pastor Jay, but it's, you know what, in my daily life, I want that oil running upon me. I want to receive of the grace and the anointing that makes CityGate what CityGate is or whatever church is that you're part of. So what is there upon the life of CityGate Church? Well... Of course, we're a balanced church in so many ways. There's the grace of God in so many areas. But there's something here about a spirit of faith. There's something here that says, you know what, we're going to stand and having done all to stand, stand. There's something here that says, we're going to come through, even if horses feel like they've trampled on your head, you're coming through into a place of prosperity and abundance. It's this place of a breakthrough spirit. There's a pioneering thing. If I think back over the 30 years, um, you know, Sharon and I have led churches. It's as if we've cut through in so many areas. We pioneered, we believed God to do things where I've not seen it done before in our locality, especially in this nation. You know what? Doesn't mean to say we're better. Doesn't mean to say we've got more of God. Absolutely not. But it, there's a grace of God here that says, come on, we're going to punch through. We're going to. Break through and we're going to lay hold of the inheritance that God has for our lives. It's an all things are possible type of an atmosphere. It's a bigness. Come on, you can be a big person here in City Gate Church, not an arrogant, proud person. But, you know, you can fly high and reach the potential that God has for your life. Oh, there's so much more I'd love to say, but as we just have to close now, we found out this is an issue of the heart. It's an issue of faith. It's an issue of grace. It's a functional thing. It's not just attending a service. Something so powerful happens when lives and hearts are knit together. Just to close, I want to read 1 Corinthians and the 12th um, uh, chapter. This is about the growth of David's army. I preached for a whole year on 1 Chronicles 12 in 1996, and I love this passage. I'd encourage you to read the whole thing, how people were added to the army of David. And it says this, so David goes out, in verse 16 of 1 Chronicles 12, it says, then some of the sons of Judah and Benjamin came to David at the stronghold. I believe a church, a place of partnership, is a stronghold. When we're together as a stronghold, the devil can't get a foothold. The enemy can't get in. We're a place of strength and security, heart to heart. We're in the trenches together. We're praying together. We're standing together. unshakable together. Undefeatable together. The togetherness of the koinonia of the church is un- undefeatable. Wow, listen to this. They came at the stronghold where David was, and David went out to meet them. And he answered and he said to them, if you've come in shalom... To help me, my heart will be united with your heart. But if you've come to betray me to my enemies, to do your own thing, to bring division, to bring in your opinions of how everything should be done and you don't like this and you don't like that, go find a church where you fit. Absolutely. But he's saying if you've come in shalom to add to the wholeness of the situation... He said, listen to this. He said, then I'll receive you. He said, since there's no wrong in my hands and God will sort that out. Verse 18. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon the chief of the captains and he said this. We are yours, David. We are on your side, O son of Jesse. Shalom, To you, shalom to you, and shalom to your helpers, for your God helps you. So David received them and he made them captains in the troop. Just a little bit further on, it says, This is the army of David that became like the army of God. This is Koinonia. It's not just believing the same thing. The Bible says one can put a 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. That's not just saying amen at the end of a prayer. It's not just praying the same thing. It's being in the same trenches. It's functioning on the same hand. It's being part of the same team. It's serving. It's giving. It's praying. It's supporting. It's uplifting. It's protecting. It's fighting for and fighting with. It's koinonia. People standing Together, think of the Tower of Babel. The one time in the whole Bible where it moved God in the most incredible way and God said, I'm going to have to stop this. These people are so one, anything they do is possible. There isn't anything impossible for them and their heart was wrong. They were going off into error. They were trying to build a tower and a city, you know, for their own pride and their own arrogance. Tradition sort of tells us that on the top of the, t- of the tower was the sign of the zodiac. They were getting hold of the stars and stuff. And God said, you know what? I've got to stop this. The power of their coin and ear, they were one. They spoke the same thing. They went in the same direction, meant that anything could happen and God had to come and bring division. And it's, there's only three times in the Bible where God sort of says, let us. And, and it's the second time God says this. He said, let us go down. He said, let us make man. And then he said, let us go down because we've got to sort out the power of their agreement. If you're part of the body of Christ, it's really important to function as part of the body of Christ. You can't just do that online. you got to find a local church somewhere where you give and you serve and you pray and you're part of a small group and you're part of a team standing with each other. The early church, the glorious church, was a church that stood and prayed and fought and gave and served and preached together. They were scattered and they, and they did everything they could to you know, to grow this koinonia everywhere they went. Everybody was up to their eyeballs in kingdom advancement for their generation. No wonder they turned the world upside down into this glorious and victorious church that we have the privilege and the honour to be a part of today. Friend, I've really enjoyed preaching this word today. I'm, I'm really passionate for the church of Jesus Christ. It's the greatest idea God has ever had. It is the plan of salvation. When you're born again, you're born again into the body, into the army, into the bride. You're not just born again into a relationship with God. You're born again into a relationship with the children of God. The Bible actually says this. We have, we have this word fellowship. It's the koinonia. We have a partnership with Almighty God and with each other. In 1 John chapter 1, as we walk in the light as we as we operate together actually god can work on our own lives to hone us and to purify us some things only happen when you get alongside other people <laughs> some people say oh, i don't want to be around people you know everybody annoys me well perhaps you need to be around people because perhaps god needs to do a work in your life to deal with that annoyance see we need to be around people before i was married You know, even while we were just, you know, uh, friends and then we got engaged, something happened when we said, I do and she does and I do and we do. (laughs) And we were married. Um, It's as if life changed. Why? Because there was koinonia. We were part of each other's life. We functioned together. See, God wants to do something so powerful in the body. And for that to happen, he wants to declare life forevermore. The supernatural power of God. For that to happen, we dwell together. They continued continuing in this incredible partnership where God lived and God breathed and the world, they saw it. The Bible says fear came upon every soul, not scared to run away, but they said, this is amazing. We've never seen such a united group of people anything is possible for these people. The church is a place of victory. The church is a place of faith. The church is a place of healing and power. Why? Because as we get together, all things are possible. Friend, I want to ask you today, are you part of the church? I'm not a church, the church of Jesus Christ. Have you said yes to Jesus? I've, I've said all the way through this, that the entrance point is to be born again. Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour? If you have, you need to function in a local church somewhere, financially and emotionally and with your gift and with your talents and with what ha- in how God's empowered you to be the grace upon your life. But if you've never received Jesus Christ as Lord, today is your day. It's not to just join a church, it's to become one, to have fellowship with Almighty God, that He can become your Father. You can become His child through giving your life to Jesus Christ. You have fellowship with Jesus. You have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You have fellowship with God the Father. God comes and moves into your life. He takes out the old dead heart and He puts in a brand new spirit on the inside and you have fellowship with Almighty God for eternity. That's it settled. If you continue continuing, you know what? You're going to go straight on into eternal life to be with God forever. All the sin removed out of your life doesn't mean to say you don't get things wrong anymore, but all the price has been paid. There's healing for your body. There's abundance for your finances. There's peace in your mind. There's joy in your heart when you're in fellowship with the Saviour of the world Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me right now. Perhaps you've prayed it before. Perhaps it was a long time ago. Perhaps it was last Sunday. But you know what? If this has touched your heart today, friend, receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. I'm going to ask you to say this prayer line after line with me. Come on, let's pray. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you that you love me, that you've demonstrated your love by sending your Son to die on the cross to pay the price for all of my sin, to give me life. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. I receive you today as my Lord and my Saviour. I turn away from the way I've lived, apart from you. And by the help of your grace and your power, I will never be the same again. I receive eternal life. Friend, if you've prayed that prayer, I know God's done. A work by His Spirit on the inside of you, I can confidently say from God's Word that you've been born again. You've been taken out of darkness and translated into light. That old hard heart that you had, like we all were born with, has been taken out and God's put a new spirit on the inside of you. There's going to be other steps. We've talked today about, you know, being active in a local church. Really important. But you know what? We'd love you to get a Bible. If you haven't got one, we'll get one to you. Someone else is going to, you know, um, speak about that in just a minute. But, you know, whoever you are today, Let's stir up this passion for partnership today. We are the church of Jesus Christ. We may be individuals, but we are one body, one army, one temple, one bride and one family. God bless you. Have an amazing week. Do everything you can to help make somebody else's life great. And we'll see you next Sunday.